Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. What did we just watch? We just watched an episode from the second season of the Hardy Boys Nancy Drew Mysteries. This particular episode 
aired on January 22nd, 1978, and it's called The House on Possessed Hill. And The House on Possessed Hill is the Psycho House. <laughs> the Bates Motel itself. No, the Psycho House. Oh. Uh, Have you seen Psycho, the movie Psycho? I've seen the movie Psycho. I, I, I didn't really, not my favorite, but... Yeah, I guess there's a mansion and a motel. Is that it? Well, it's not exactly a mansion, but there's also a hotel. Like a fancy house. It's like a fancy old house. It's kind of a rundown house. where. Uh, but it used to be fancy. It looks like it used to be fancy. Wait, Mr. Fucking Semantics over here. I mean, you're, you're saying the house was a hotel and the house was well, a hotel. I don't remember. Again, I didn't care for it. That's what he lives with it. his dead mother. He's, he's not going to have guests over to see I his dead mother. I didn't care for it that much. I thought it was okay. <laughs> I'm I'm more of a I'm more of a rear window gal. So you like that uh, Jimmy Stewart? Yeah, I like Jimmy Stewart having banter with Grace Kelly while they like get overly involved in their neighbor's business. That's more relatable to me. You know, everyone, every red blooded American at some point, if they like, you know, if their neighbors don't show up for a few days, you think, I wonder if they killed each other. You know, like like that's the classic thing. Like, oh man, is. Is this going to be the part where I have to remember for the Dateline episode? And then, you know, but I better remember what this was like. And then and then it turns out they're fine and you're just paranoid. But you think that like several times a day. Yeah. I remember when, when I was a kid, there was a period where some of our neighbors were gone. And I remember as a child thinking like, wow, here we go. <laughs> this is it. We're <laughs> battle stations. <laughs> Game on. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to fucking solve this. And then they were fine. So were I've always were been you disappointed. Uh, no, of course not. I'm glad people aren't dead. <laughs> did you ever? Uh, speaking of the Psycho House, did you ever take the Universal Studios tour in California? Never took the Universal Stewards tour studio. Blah, uh, take two. I never took that tour. Uh, never been to Universal Studios. Yeah, I just uh, I've been to California twice. I I I took the Universal Studios tour, and they they drive you past this dilapidated house, and they say, "There's the Psycho House, everybody," and it was just nearly open to the general public, and so it's kind of funny this low budget TV show is using this like park exhibit basically as a filming location not the last time they will do so either because i remember if i if memory serves me correctly i believe they made use of the jaws set in uh like like, like they had a shark like they, they they it was like some backlot thing in the hollywood phantom mystery in the same series nancy gets pushed in the water and a shark's coming at her so i think they use something from Jaws. This show does not seem to enjoy a high production budget. No, it seemed like they were very much scrounging uh, in terms of budget, in terms of scripts. <laughs> this one, uh, this one's kind of, I think, pretty weak in terms of story. Although, interesting, in one interesting casting note about it. Are you talking about the guy who played Dr. Hall? <laughs> The uh, veteran character actor, Mr. Bachner. Of course. I'm trying to get a conversation on him. You're obsessed with this actor. Yeah, what's his name? 
well, who is that? The the doctor. Yeah, he's a veteran character. Kind of gave a kind of a creepy vibe. He was like treating this young woman. He was trying. He was trying. I thought he was gonna be one of the bad guys because I got a bad vibe from him. But it turns out, no, he's totally fine. He's just doing his job. I think you were most interested though in seeing uh, young Melanie Griffith. I think that was what you were interested in, sir. You said to me, oh, like, what, a decade after this was made, I thought she was very pretty. That's not how I even yeah. talk. <laughs> I'm little Kevin. Much like Melanie Griffith in this episode, you reverted. <laughs> she, she she certainly has some acting ability, I think we would agree. Yeah. But, we, but she didn't show any of it here. Yeah. I mean, like, in fairness... Not a ton to work with, but yes. It, wait. it was a very flat performance. Just kind of like, the house is alive. And music loudly blares in the background. Ooh, no, you, you be telling, you, you be saying some spooky dialogue and I'll be the music. The house is Ooh. alive. It calls Ooh. to me. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> but that's basically a vibe of what you're, that, that's a taste. You don't need to. You could just listen to this episode. You don't need to watch this thing. That's a lot of ooh in the background constantly, very loudly at points. The music's trying hard, but it's like it's like running on it's like running on a treadmill that's way too fast for it. Like it is, it can't keep. It's just not. It's not working. Um, no, who was who? Who was her mom, Melanie Griffith? Uh, it's not Tippy Hedren, is it? Yeah, I think it is. So there's another Hitchcock connection there. Weirdly, right? Yeah. So I wonder were they doing were they like doing both of those things on purpose, or did they just happen to get Melanie Griffith and then they're like, you know what, we 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 just need to go on the fucking Universal tour and get a couple of exterior shots because we can't we can't afford everything else. The the director blew everything on whiskey, you know. I mean, like that's what the the, the whole thing just feels so cheap. But there you go. This show. We were like, oh, we always do Nancy Drew episodes. Let's do a Hardy Boys episode. And so we put one on and we said, this is awful. And so then we put another one on and it was also awful. But by that point, we needed to watch something. <laughs> yeah. Like, like early on in this one, uh, there is an earthquake in Massachusetts that's inexplicable. And then later on, they say, oh, that earthquake was probably just something uh, natural, yet inexplicable. And so it's not on the news. It doesn't really seem to be relevant to the plot, because even would it a random earthquake? Are we supposed to be thinking that this is caused by uh, the ghosts or something? That's what it seems to want us to think, like the ghosts are doing it initially, but then they're trying to explain it. But I mean, I can tell you, I lived through an earthquake in New York City. So the East Coast, and I think it went down to D.C., so it was all up and down the East Coast in twenty summer of 2011, and it was cool. I remember I was sitting in my little chair. I was an intern at a publishing house, but I was just in my little place where I like would sort out the slush pile, and then suddenly my chair's wobbling, and I remember thinking, like, oh, man, am I, like, gaining that much weight from all these, like, you know, like, lunches out in New York City? And then... Or, and then I was like, maybe it's construction. And then it stopped. And then my boss like was running around being like, it was an earthquake. And like then, and then like, I remember there was like a, 
there was like some sort of like mobster trial going on and like nothing was happening. But then all the news reporters were immediately switched to like, there was just an earthquake and like people were really excited about it, you know, because like doesn't happen often. So I feel like it would have been a way bigger deal and they would have heard about it if it really was an earthquake and not the ghost, a.k.a. AKA the evil bird statue on top of the Bates house. Because but, but, but would, So we're supposed to believe that the ghosts two or three towns over from where the Hardy Boys live are going to cause a highly loca- localized earthquake that just affects the Hardy Boys house two or three towns over, even though they have no reason to... Are they seeking vengeance on their Hardy Boys? Maybe they're telling them, stay out of this episode, man. Just get out of here. It's no good. Here's the thing. You keep saying ghosts, and that, like, lends a certain classiness to it. But what we're really seeing whenever any of this spooky shit is going on is the big sculpture of, like, a eagle, weird-looking parrot pigeon bird on top of the damn house. And it's not intimidating. It's not... It looks stupid. It's un... un it, it's unsightly, but it's not unsettling. You just think, what is this bird have against the fucking Hardy Boys? And then also, I note that the, this Melanie Griffith character, when we meet her, she's being chased by a ta- by a mob of angry townspeople for reasons that ultimately have nothing to do with the main plot. And then later on, they say, oh, yeah, those townspeople, they're sorry about that. So what? Yeah. So her friend gets in a car accident that it turns out that she predicted. And yet it still happened. And then for some reason, her friend's dad is like, that's your fault, even though presumably she was nowhere near. I mean, I think you'd be like, that's fucked up and creepy. But you wouldn't like to be like to, to be like. I'm going to lead an angry mob against my daughter's friend level mad. You have to have something a little bit more concrete, I would think. So, as you mentioned, you grew up on the East Coast. Did any of the fathers of your friends? You, every this happened to me, like, about- every other fucking week in high school. It was kind of annoying, but... No, I, I, I was... It, this is kind of... I, I feel like I'm glad I didn't see this episode in high school, though. Because I think I would have tried to, I, I I think I would have tried to pull off Melanie Griffith's style in this kind of shawl situation, and she looked great in it. I think I would have looked really stupid and and embarrassed myself. And I had I had enough embarrassing high school fashion choices, uh, hashtag Fidel Castro hat that I didn't need to add anymore. So I'm glad I saw this later in life when I know what I can and cannot pull off. Do you think any of the Hardy Boys uh, fashions would suit me? (laughs) Well, here's what you're not going to wear is uh, Frank's crazy sweater with all these V's on it that uh, we both agreed look ridiculous. And, you know, I actually, and then, and then like, then Joe had to like, Sean Cassidy like upped the ante because like Frank was wearing a stupid sweater and then he came in with an even stupider sweater at the very end. And you were just like, it was like dueling, it was dueling ridiculous sweaters at some point. So don't do that. <laughs> you don't need to add to that. I I, I thought, I thought like they're, they usually kind of dress a bit preppy and I, I think you could look good in that. I think I made you wear kind of a Hardy Boys-esque like combo when we were interviewed on a certain work project recently where like I put, like like I put you in like a, like a collared shirt and then a sweater over it. A colored shirt? A collared shirt. 
the fuck are you doing? Aren't all shirts of the colors? What do you mean? Collared. Oh, a shirt with a collar. Yes, dumbass. <laughs> you were there talking cryptically in riddles. Oh, it was something that was for work, and it was a shirt that had. Well, I'm not gonna. It was collared. You don't mix. You don't mix work and mystery to me. <laughs> That's how we ruin our whole fucking brand. <laughs> So this was for a project. It was for the fucking documentary that we're going to be in. And I'm wearing a shirt with a collar. Remember, there was a lot of controversies about your shirts. First, you were wearing the, the bad patterns, and then they're making you take off your shirt and, and put different shirts on. Just something on. known for the ladies. Yeah, I know. That, that, they, that guy turned out not to even be part of the documentary crew. He just was walking <laughs> by. <laughs> and... And, like, you know, it, there were a lot of different shirt switches. We kept having to bring multiple shirts to different shoots so you would have you would be covered because nobody liked your choices. <laughs> so, I don't know if you just blocked that whole thing out or... I... You had to change shirts a couple of times, too, didn't no, you? No, I didn't. Every time. Every time they said, Anya, you look fucking amazing. Thank you for being a part of this program and thank you for being a professional about it and then they'd, <laughs> then they'd shoot a pointed look at you <laughs> not how i remember it but you had like a hardy boys thing going on you had like at one point you had like an it was like a white you know button down shirt and then you're you know like the collars you know the collar poking out and like a brown sweater situation i thought you looked cute <laughs> And they look very handsome. Well, we'll we see if that appears in the documentary. <laughs> what if they just like blur blur out all your shirts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember it was very interesting. They have very stringent requirements for what shirts are permissible. Yeah, I mean, maybe you shouldn't have brought in all your V-necks or you know the ones with the. With your nipples cut out. <laughs> I, it was a mistake to raid your wardrobe. <laughs> oh, man. What are we doing? What have we been talking about? <laughs> Catch our documentary, Investigation Discovery, September 5th, 10 p.m. We, we're going to look. We're going to probably end up looking like weird nerds, but that's accurate. Uh... When I met you. Oh, no. Shut up. We're not promoting everything. That just came up organically. Yeah, I remember th this uh, episode kind of reminded me of how we met. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> so, like, this this Melanie Griffith girl, she, like, you know, f f uh, Joe is driving around in the storm for some reason. And listen, I love a good storm situation. But then this girl's running for her life from a mob. And he picks her up, and then she's like, take me to this haunted house. And he's like, okay. And then they go in the haunted house for a while. I mean, like, the whole plot's so stupid. And, you know, she keeps on making all these cryptic, like, statements like, who lives there? The dead. Or, like, what's going on? There's so many memories here. I mean, like, it, she just kind of... And you, want, you, like, looked at me and said, Kevin, is this realistic? Would a guy really pick up a crazy girl just because she's kind of hot? Yes, that's very realistic. I said that's why you picked up me. Yes. In your little van. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you know, also just don't hitchhike, guys. Come on, let's let's all 
I mean, this is the 70s, but she could have easily been murdered by Joe. Actually, this is uh, the 21st century. I don't mean it's... I mean the fucking Very show confused. that we're talking about, you stupid asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're ornery. Well, you forgot what year it is. Oh, you Mr. Casual Cool Guy over there? <laughs> Fuck you. Mr. Casual Guy with your little pose. And, like, you're just posed in a way that <laughs> makes it impossible for you to speak directly into your fucking <laughs> microphone. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. This is a dumb question, but has Indiana ever had, like, an earthquake? Uh, Yes. Really? Yes. Tell me about the Indiana earthquake. Uh, It happened, I think, in, like... Just at your house. (laughs) I think it happened, like, in 1987 or something. Uh, you were here then, so why? What's the or something? I don't remember the exact year. I think it was 1987. If you want to grind things to a halt, we can look it up when the earthquake was. Do you remember it? I wasn't an infant. I was like 16. Okay, well, what happened? Guess what? I was I was I was telling the story in an engaging way, and you start barking questions at me. Proceed. So it was uh, approximately 1987. Uh, I was living in a two-story house. I was on the upper level uh, going to the restroom. (laughs) I... I, I finished my business. <laughs> I flushed the toilet and the whole house <laughs> shook. And I was thinking, yeah, this happens, you know, in, you know, these old tenement houses in like New York. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't a tenement house. This isn't New York. What was that? Because you always hear stories about people flushing a toilet or something and it feels like the house shakes. And uh, I went downstairs and my mother said, do you feel that it was an earthquake? And that's my earthquake story. <laughs> A little bit more interesting than yours. Everyone thought it was your gas. <laughs> I'll, I'll look up when that was. Kevin had a big lunch. <laughs> 
It was uh, June 11th, 1987. There you go. But, uh, yeah, this episode... What do you think about this show in general? Usually, like, it's often, like, not good. But, like, I think this one was... I think this one lost a lot of steam at some point. Yeah, this was, like... uh, Basically, it, it felt like they're filming page one of the script... When somebody is in another room writing page two of the script. Yes. A hundred percent. Because I think we're nearly, you know, maybe the wild mob that she's focused on the start of the whole story. Maybe that would have been more crucial. Maybe the mysterious earthquake would have been more crucial. And you almost get the sense that things were disappearing not because of writing choices, but maybe because of budget constraints. Maybe at some point they're like, we can't afford to pay these mob extras anymore. You have to go home. we got to figure out something else for the third act. So it, it really felt very fly-by-night and uh, badly made. And, like, I think the best Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew episodes, like, they're not great, but they have, like, a certain kind of fun about them. And this one was just, this one was just too much and, and way too much on the supernatural shit. Yeah, uh, Sean Cassidy uh, reveals he's a big believer in the paranormal. Which somehow makes sense in the context of Joe Hardy. You kind of feel like he would be, you know, he's he's like, he's a, he's a hippie. He's like into all that shit. And you're kind of like, ugh. He's like, this is a gift. You could be a psychic. And it's like, oh, geez. He's the guy who's going to grow up to be the detective who brings in the psychic who fucks up all the evidence. That's just great. He's going to be one of those like cryptozoologists or something. <laughs> Bears himself. I will say, I do love a haunted house aesthetic. I do love a storm aesthetic. When you say Hardy Boys, Storm, Haunted House, I'm thinking this is probably going to be my favorite episode. But when you actually look at the storytelling, it's just not that good. And then they bring in some like bank robbery shit at one point. Like, what the fuck was that? It's like it shifts from the, the mob psychic story uh to oh no this girl just had uh a repressed memory of seeing a murder good night everybody and that was the end of it yeah have you ever have you ever had a mob after you i could see that happening to you no people chasing you what would you why 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 would you what do you think of me well, I don't know. You were asking me if my friend's dads were running after me. I think that's a question on the mind of everyone listening to this. Now, that, that sounded bad. My friend's dad's <laughs> running after me. That sounded really bad, but I didn't mean it like that. I meant in a mob way. Not a creepy mob, just like a, we think she's a witch mob. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty bad. <laughs> just to clarify, so we're all on the same page here. Didn't you have a mob when you were a pizza driver? There were times I inadvertently caused a small amount of alarm. It wasn't a mob. I I delivered a pizza once uh, late at night. Uh, I parked in front of the person's house, delivered the pizza, and then my car doesn't start up. And so I figure, well, I have a friend who doesn't live that far from here. I'll walk over there and get some help. And then I, I... I didn't contact the people at the pizza restaurant. I didn't contact the people <laughs> inside the house. 
I just delivered the pizza to. <laughs> so it was like some concern that Kevin has gone missing. Uh, the last time he was seen, he just delivered this pizza. His car is still there. Where is Kevin? So that caused some concern, but it wasn't a mob. They weren't against you. They were mobbed to support you. <laughs> they mobbed to the car to see what fate had befallen you. They, they thought I disappeared mysteriously. Maybe you were in the trunk of your car. Yeah, they, yeah, they thought it was some tragedy. Jesus Christ. So what would you do? Would you have just gone back to the pizza, the, the customer's house and disturbed them? I've just given you this hot pizza instead of enjoying it. I want you to know I have car trouble. I would have gone to my friend's house, said, can I call Can I borrow your phone to call the police? To call, not, not call the police. To call, <laughs> to call the police. To start staging my disappearance. To call my pizza employer and then go back to my car to wait. That's what I would have done. Like a conscientious young woman. Well, there's lots of things people can do in situations like that. <laughs> like go off the radar. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I always assume people aren't really paying attention to me, and it often uh, comes back to bite me. So you were, like, walking around kicking rocks. No one cares that my car broke down. And then you came back, and everyone was concerned, and you were like, aww. Was, was, didn't you describe it, like, as a group of people standing around your car looking really concerned? Yes. <laughs> so it was sort of, like, the opposite of what this woman was going through because it was a mob of people who wanted to help you, who were concerned about you as opposed to wanted to get it, get you out of town. Yes. Have you ever inadvertently caused uh, concern or alarm? Yeah. I uh, one time reported a threat that my school newspaper had gotten to the campus police and then pr- pr- prompted by a lot of sleep deprivation that I was going through at the time, took a nap, I think, on like, like somewhere it was either in the library or like on the in the central quad or something it was a sunny day and then came back to like a bunch of voicemails and people being like you know the police are looking for <laughs> and then <laughs> then later i got uh, the the campus police picked me up to take a statement and they're like maybe don't call the police and then like go off the radar <laughs> and i was like that's so, a so fair so criticism yeah so in your case you were a college educated woman who actively contacted the police and caused alarm. I just was report. I didn't think they'd want a statement. I just wanted to let them know. And they didn't say anything like, oh, be on hand for an interview. I'm not a suspect here. I'm just, I'm just telling you, you know, I want a record of things. <laughs> you weren't going to let any of that stop you from When the, when from the police finally came to take a look at, they're like, oh, we can give you some security tips. And I was like, sure. And then they came and looked at our office, and they're like, wow, it's a fishbowl down here. Uh, I guess if you see anyone creepy, call the police. And I was like, oh, thank you. So it wasn't, like, super useful in the first place. And I was tired. I was I was working. I was a hardworking editor. I was a hardworking intern at multiple places. And, you know, I just, I, need, I needed to sleep. So it sounds like you had too much on your plate and were working too hard. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Huh? We have like what eighteen podcasts, and none of them are good. <laughs> one of them is good. One of them is good. And folks, as you know, it's not this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm a person where I, I think I, you know, overcommit sometimes. But I've worked on that, and I think it's, 
think it's gotten better. Okay. We should discuss that on our therapy podcast. <laughs> and then maybe fight about it on our, like, on our dual podcast. I don't know. Our dual podcast? Dual. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, yeah. Podcasting. But, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I wish, I wish this one had been a little bit more kooky because then that, that would have been fun, you know, but it, it didn't like it. Didn't, kooky, kooky, lend me your comb. That's what I said. That's what you say, and that's what I would want from this episode. But it didn't quite go far enough for me, so it kind of just ended up being, you know, mediocre. And all the Hitchcock references kind of didn't really go anywhere because, like, you know, I don't really associate him with supernatural necessarily, more like murder shit. So, like, maybe do something more along those lines if you have, you know, if you're going to try to incorporate that. Right? Just a thought. You know, there was no thought put into this. That's the problem. They just had psychic vibes. That was that was what they were going off of. They had Melanie Griffith. Yeah, they could have done. I mean, they could have done something interesting, and they just they just chose not to. To inconvenience and betray us. It was shocking. <clears throat> for you, what for you? What do you think? As somebody who's you know watched some of these, but also has like wa- you know read the books and and shit. Like, what do you think? Like a good. Hardy Boys TV adaptation would do? Uh, for one thing, I would like it if I liked the Hardy Boys. And this, you're like, these kids suck. Is that what you're saying? Yes. What makes them suck? Uh, they're smug. They're full of themselves. And that's, they're not people I'd like to spend time with. So if you, if you got, if you were running from a mob and the Hardy Boys pulled up in there, sketchy orange van to help you you'd be like you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna take my chances here and i know this is something we we have talked about way too much but is it normal for two brothers to spend so much time together and not really seem to have any friends outside of each other yeah and in fairness to the books they have a lot of friends in the books you know what i mean they got chet they got Biff, they got Tony, they got Phil, they got, they got a, Rex, they got Tony, they got uh, you just, I H- said Hanny, Tony, they got Rodney, you're just making up, they bu- got Billy, they got old Jimbo, Jesus Christ, you just made up a bunch of guys except for Tony, Tony Preto, and all the other, I, and the old Johnny B, Jesus Christ, they're kind of, like and they're and like you know like I remember when we read like one of the original ones we were actually surprised by like like oh they they seem a little bit more normal in this because like their friends are like giving them shit and stuff you know what I mean like that's how teenagers act you know but I think in succession uh, successive like rewrites of the books and then re you know the show it's kind of boils down to just these two brothers and they only solve mysteries with each other and it's like what the hell's going on this is you know like. And it, it it feels like it just everything gets so boiled down, and it just kind of makes it less interesting. Yeah, they don't seem to have really healthy emotional lives outside of each other and their father. Yeah, remember we we, we read that one. I think it was uh, was it Shore Road or something? So, I forget. And it was like, and like they like fuck something up, and they like, I think they were like, 
accosting people who were just normal fishermen or something, and then they got in trouble for it. And then everybody at school was like, you guys are dumbasses. And they were like, LOL. And, like, that felt more like they were flawed. They had friends. People made fun of them. And then they'd eventually, like, solve the mystery. But it would, like, be, it would feel more earned because it was, like... In this show, they're perfect. Also, in this show, they often, their father often gets into hot water and needs to be rescued by his sons. And that's kind of a turnabout of what you'd expect from a parent and child relationship. And maybe at some point in the child's life, the child needs to take care of the parents as they age or whatever. But when the child is like 17 or 18, it's not normal or healthy for them to be consistently bailing the father out of jams. Also, like, these are jams where he could get killed or something. And, like, you think he'd be like, oh, well... In this first, in the books, they have a mom. They killed off the mom for the TV show because they probably didn't want to pay another actress. And, you know, they're like, you know, I mean, like, maybe, maybe take a less crazy job then, man. I mean, don't you think that if you had to save your dad in a work related situation once, he'd be like, oh, fuck, I need to change some things up? Yeah. <laughs> I need to do some things a little bit differently just so I'm not humiliated by having Kevin save me one more one more time. Saved him from the great engineering disaster. So what do you think? How would how would you like to have a, a decent Hardy Boys? I think you have to first of all, I think you make it a little bit more uh akin to some of the stuff I described with, you know like have more of a character to it. Have more of a, a, a here's a town where a lot of mysteries happen. Here are the people in the town and they're some of the people in the town and they have relationships and you know they're dating these two girls you know callie and iola why do i know this i mean this is why i can't do math because i just know all this fucking hardy boy shit jesus but you know that's that's what you do i think you just you make it make it a little bit more like they have lives outside of this that's what i would do that's what i would that's what i would encourage people to do I think there actually is like a modern day Hardy Boys out. I, I've not seen it, but I don't. I don't know if they do that or if they double down and like, no, no, no. They only talk to their brothers. <laughs> What's your uh, five star final? I'd say that the house on Possessed Hill doesn't possess much by way of mystery or fun. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up Hotmail accounts in the early 2000s, so all of those spell out two as T-O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.